There are so many things that I want to say after that song. I celebrate the fact that we serve a God who is still transforming lives and changing people and giving them hope and redemption and allowing us to be made completely new. And today we celebrate that. Um, actually, I'm going to be talking about sound doctrine a little bit later in the service. And as I do, one of the fruits of sound doctrine is the potential for transformed lives. As we begin to recognize that there is only one way for us to truly be changed, to be redeemed. And that is through Jesus Christ alone. And we celebrate that. I know that in this room there are probably many others. You saw those who held up those cardboard testimonies. And maybe you've never been a drug addict or an alcoholic or a gambler or maybe an adulterer. But all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And it is through Jesus Christ that we find hope and redemption and transformation. Praise the Lord for what he can do and what he has done already. You good. I'm going to ask my wife, she's standing behind Jessica, would you just pray for Jessica for us right now? Well, I do want to actually begin with a word of appreciation. I know that Pastor Lee has already stepped out, and I will guarantee he would say the same thing. Uh, it is humbling when we are honored and celebrated, and I will say that we do not deserve some of the credit that we get, but we are very grateful for your generosity toward us as staff, and this includes our family as well. Uh, it is a privilege for us to be a part of the ministry at this church. Um, I love the fact that we don't have a two-man show. Uh, this is a team ministry. Uh, and it's not even just Pastor Lee and his wife and me and my wife. 
there are many other staff people, but even beyond that, each of you play a role in the effectiveness of the ministry of this church. So I cannot say thank you enough for your generosity toward us and just your love toward us. I had someone say, well, uh, during this month, we will be praying for you. I want you to pray all 12 months. And then on leap year, add the extra day or whatever else. I, I, I need you to be praying for us faithfully because there are challenges that we do face and we are grateful for the opportunity, but we need the Lord to be the one that basically equips us and enables us to do the work that he calls us to do. So we do invite you to pray specifically for us as we do that. Uh, but we say thank you and we appreciate your love and gener generosity toward us. So uh, what is the value and the purpose of being a part of a church? What should you expect when you come to a church? We live in a culture that is continually shifting. Many no longer see any value in attending church services altogether. Others attend church faithfully, yet they rarely receive the intended benefits of church involvement. So what needs to change? The first thing that needs to change is that we must get back to where we started. As most of you probably know, the current sermon series is entitled Redefining Church. And the purpose is not necessarily to come up with a new definition that nobody else has ever thought of before of what church should be. But rather it is to return to the original definition as we find the New Testament church when it started out, this was who they were. Acts 2.42 says that the New Testament church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it is time for us to do likewise. Now, there are more than four elements that need to be addressed in this series. Last week, we looked specifically into the issue of fellowship, although we didn't even cover all of the aspects of fellowship and what that is supposed to be about. But we recognize that fellowship is an important part of the body of Christ. And today we're going to look at the apostles' teaching or sound doctrine. But there are other things that we will address in the coming weeks. And I know every pastor, as he stands up in the pulpit and starts a sermon series, one of the things he says is, you know, I'm really excited about this series. You're not going to want to miss out. Well, if you ever find a pastor who's not excited about a sermon series, something is wrong. The reality is, I get excited every time we do a sermon series, but I am going to tell you this time, you don't want to miss the rest of the sermon series as well, because I do believe that this defines everything that the church is supposed to be about. I think that a part of what makes this series so intriguing to me is the fact that so few churches are doing all of these things. They may do one or two of them, and they may be really good at one or two of them, but we weren't called to just be devoted to one or two of them, but to all of them. I know there's no such thing as a perfect church, but there are some things that should be non-negotiables when it comes to the church. And oddly enough, all churches know that. The problem is the non-negotiables vary depending on the church and the current culture. I remember when I felt the call to move from youth ministry into the senior pastorate ministry. I had, contacted, I had contact with four different churches and then one that I would eventually end up serving at in the Philadelphia area. 
Each church, as we made communication, we talked on the phone. Some of it was uh, phone calls that I initiated, some where they initiated those conversations. Questions about my ministry experience would arise. Questions about my family, questions about my aspirations. And then without fail, each church asked me what kind of music I wanted for my services. But do you know what question was never asked? What kind of preaching do you do? This was before the days where everybody could go online and listen to everybody's sermon and know the exact way that they preach and what they say. They simply made the assumption that as an ordained minister, I would likely preach a biblically sound message. But that is not necessarily the case today. We have some pastors who will manipulate scripture to accomplish their own agendas. We have some pastors who preach feel-good messages that are politically correct but not biblically correct. And we have some pastors that are so fixated on one section of the scripture that they do not consider the entirety of God's word. And maybe this doesn't seem like a big deal to you because at least we're in the word of God. But I'm telling you, it's huge. A few weeks ago, we talked about the people of Israel when they found the book of the law which had been lost to them for over six decades. Do you mean to tell me that they did church for six decades without the book of the law? What did they teach on? Were they simply enamored by the abilities of those who stood up front? Did the personalities of leaders somehow outweigh the need to follow God's word? Consider the extreme contrast. In Joshua, they were instructed to be careful to follow all the instructions found in the book of the law, not turning to the right or to the left, but meditating on it day and night. The next thing you know, they don't even know where the book of the law is and where they last used it. Well, it's time for us to get back to the book of the law. It's time for us to get back to God's word as our foundation. And I'm not just talking about picking and choosing various passages that would be used to accomplish our own personal agenda. I'm talking about getting back to God's word as the foundation for everything that we believe and do. I told you one of the things that intrigues me about this is that so few churches are doing all of the things mentioned in Acts 2 verse 42. Another thing is... Another thing that gets me is that there seems to be a disconnect among the individuals who make up the church. I know we have a few Uber drivers here at the church, but I believe it would shock most people here the things that we hear college students talk about with their Uber drivers. I've heard many people share about repeated alcohol and drug abuse as well as almost every type of sexual immorality, it has become commonplace. I will tell you, there are advantages to being a pastor. I was riding down uh, College Avenue just this past week and had a group of young people who were talking about some of the things that they were doing, and one of them said, you don't go to church, do you? I said, well, it's funny you should ask. And then I informed them that I was actually a pastor here in town and the things that they were doing were incredibly ungodly, and the mere fact that you asked me that question tells me that you already knew that before I said it. 
You see, it has become so commonplace for people to share about those things because it's normal for them to do those things. I recently had a conversation with one who attends one of the larger churches in our community. She talked about attending church every week, yet also bragged about her behavior. She shared that many of the same people she sees at church are also present at their parties every weekend. You know, something is horribly wrong with this picture. One of two things is happening. Either the sound doctrine message of Christ and his transformational power is no longer being proclaimed faithfully, or it is simply not being heard and obeyed by those in attendance. The church and the culture need a revival of sound doctrine. The Apostle Paul was one of the most educated men in his day. He could reason with the greatest scholars, using this gift on many occasions to frustrate those who opposed the gospel message. He also could speak in a way that few scholars could understand. He spoke with a hope and a confidence that was very unique. In fact, he's not the first to do that. In fact, previously, Jesus did. We are told in Mark 1.22 that Jesus taught them as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. The teachers of the law apparently taught, but they didn't teach as those who had authority. Well, Paul knew that God had given him a mission. And he would confidently proclaim that message with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Look what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. I read it to you earlier, verses 10 through 11. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder. And someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Christ Jesus. So we need a firm foundation. Most of us are probably aware of Jesus' parable about the wise and the foolish builder located in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. Do you remember the children's song? The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise, you know the song. And eventually you get to the foolish man who built his house upon the sand. Well, the principle within that parable is that you can't just build without making sure you that you have a solid foundation. We've seen this locally within the past few months. Maybe you saw it in the news. There was an apartment building in Clemson that was only a couple years old. It's one of those nice places with restaurants and stores on the bottom and perfectly located in the downtown area. Well, as they prepared to reopen this fall, inspectors noticed a significant problem. Apparently, the foundation had unexpectedly begun to settle significantly, causing cracking with floors rising and falling. Due to the settling, only portions of the building are now considered usable, and many of the students were forced to find alternative housing. Now, I'm not saying that the builders were fools, but what I am saying is that if the foundation were firm, this would not be happening. Of course, there were also those recent images of a hotel, I believe it was in New Orleans, where a portion of the building began to collapse and a few individuals were inside and were actually killed. 
Again, the issue here is a strong foundation makes a huge difference. If it is built properly, it will stand. Now, maybe you're beginning to wonder what any of this has to do with us. We're not planning on building anything in the near future. Well, listen to the words of Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22. It says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by the Spirit. As children of God, Fellow citizens with God's people, we have a foundation that precedes us. If the pastor stands up and tells you, I've got something new that I need you to hear, then you probably need to get up and walk out. See, because our foundation was built long before I came along, before any other pastor here came along. There are many who have sacrificed all of themselves for this foundation. But the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ himself, and he is the one who holds everything else together. But the real beauty in this is that not only is Christ the cornerstone that holds everything else together, but we now are becoming the very stones that future generations will look toward. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 and 5 says, As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, the faith of others, like our children or maybe like our co-workers who are watching us every single day, will be built upon what they have seen in you and me. While this is an honor, this also serves to remind us why it is so important that our foundation be solidly based on Christ alone. You see, if we get off track, if we end up building on a foundation less secure than the one that we already have, then the next generation will likely build on whatever foundation we've built on. And the next thing you know, they will have no foundation at all. I have one last passage I want to share with you regarding this firm foundation. It comes from Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 3, which says, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God, Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. I don't want to spend too much time on this, but I need you to know the basics. These are the foundations. Paul is saying here, I, I don't want to have to talk about all of these things. But, actually I said Paul, we think it's Paul, it might have been somebody else. I don't want to have to deal with all these things, but you do need to know these are the basics. Our foundation is based on Christ and Christ alone. 
And that salvation that he gives to us is a free gift for all who will put their faith in him. That means the promise of eternal life. No longer having to pay the price for our sins because someone else has already paid the price for us. But in order to receive this gift, we are called to repent. Repentance means to not only confess that you have sinned, that you have done wrong, but then to choose to turn away from that sin. To not walk the same path that you walked before. And the result should be transformed lives and a reason to no longer fear death. For some of us, we have assumed that repentance leads to the promise of eternal life, and that is correct. But sometimes we forget that it also means the promise of transformed lives now. God is changing people. You saw people stand up with signs earlier reflecting on the fact that once they were this individual, but this is what God did. Do you know that he still is in the process of transforming lives? That is the sound doctrine that is being proclaimed. Now, if you are following along in your bulletins this morning, you'll see that we're also encouraged to build up the body of Christ. But as we do, we need to be intentional to build up without building out. Don't get me wrong, I understand that we need to reach out to those who are lost. We need to be going into the world and communicating a hope that they do not have without Jesus Christ. We need to be reaching out, but as we build, we need to build up. We don't need to expand the foundation that is there. We need to build firmly on the foundation that is already in place. We live in a culture where there are many, many voices that are calling people to join the church. But as they invite, many are not building up, rather they build out where there is no foundation. They teach an easy gospel that includes grace and belonging, yet they leave out the call to repentance and transformation. They've changed the playing field. Listen to me. If it was a sin 100 years ago, it is still a sin Today, do not water down the gospel for those who may be offended by it. In your notes, I referenced a passage from 1 Corinthians 1, verse 10 to 13, where Paul's addressing other leaders in the church. And what he's basically saying is that it doesn't matter whether you follow Paul or Apollos or Cephas, just so long as we're all building on the solid foundation of Christ. And that's what God desires for us. I will tell you, the church for years has built outward. And because of that, we are a divided people. I know sometimes denominations form because of legitimate things that need to be addressed. Legitimate beliefs that are found solely within the scriptures. But as of 2001, there were 33,830 known denominations in the world. Sounds to me like we've been building in a whole lot of different directions that maybe have taken us a little bit off of the foundation that we had. See, there is a significant danger that occurs when we compromise on this issue of sound doctrine. Proverbs 14.12 says that there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. It may seem nice 
when the church teaches tolerance or the world embraces a church's worship practices. But if winning the approval of others involves a compromise from our foundation, then we have a problem. Because what will happen is eventually the building will crumble. 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul is addressing the fact that cultures change. He talks about a time that will come when people will no longer put up with sound doctrine. But rather, instead, they will choose to surround themselves with those who will say what their itching ears want to hear. May we never be a church that has moved from a sound doctrine foundation. If by some chance you ever hear me say something that is not correct according to scripture, I am inviting you today to call me out. Now you can do it privately or you can do it. I'd rather you not do it in the middle of the service. With that being said, I want to challenge you to be like the Bereans. They were a group of people that the apostle Paul dealt with and he commended them. He said they were of more high, of a higher character because they tested and approved that which was spoken to them. What they did was they heard the message and then they went and compared it to the word of God. Does this measure up? I want to challenge you. You be critical of what the pastor speaks. Not in a way where you go on Sunday afternoon at lunch and you're talking with your friends. Can you believe that pastor and what he had to say? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about listening to the word that is spoken and being at least informed enough with the word of God that you can go back and say, does this measure up with what God's word has already said? You see, the reality is, when the word of God is used the way it is supposed to be used, it is a powerful tool. It is a powerful tool that can be used to transform who we are today and give us a hope for tomorrow. That is our foundation. If you are here today and you already are a child of God, I want to challenge you to get into the word of God so that you can Compare what the pastor says to what the truth of God's word says. If you are new to this faith, or maybe you're not even in that position yet, I want to challenge you to make sure that whatever you hear, that it does measure up. If you need to go to, I know Google's a dangerous tool, but it's a great tool. If you need to go and say, hey, does, is this pastor speaking the truth? Go find out from Google that this is exactly what the scripture says. I know that's not the best tool, but it is a tool. My point is this, don't settle. There are a lot of people out there that are going to point you in the wrong direction. We need to be a church that is based on the solid foundation of God's word. If you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me, Father, as we come before you, Lord, we are grateful for the foundation that has been laid already. We are grateful that you have offered us redemption, forgiveness, and a way out, a way to be transformed, to be made new. And I pray today that each of us would walk in a way that honors you. For some of us, we have heard so many voices. We listen to so many preachers. We listen to so many other people who have ideas of what faith is about. Lord, I pray that our faith would be solely based on your word. 
Help us to be diligent to get to know your word so that we will be able to stand strong. Help us to hide your word in our hearts so that we may be transformed, that we will no longer have to sin. I pray that you would set us free. May the foundation that we stand upon be one that is stable for all of our lives, that the next generation may look to us and know what it is to stand for God. Father, I pray for our children. I pray that you would help them to see what it is to be a child of God in us, not just people who go to church, not just people who give offerings, not just people who stand up and sing, but allow us to be people who are transformed by the power of your word and the hope that your son Jesus Christ gave to us. May you be honored in us and in those who walk behind us. In Christ's name we pray, amen. I challenge you as a church to make sure your life displays the sound doctrine of Jesus Christ. Thank you for being with us this morning and go in peace.